You're listening to Kiss Life with me, Swazi, and in the studio for the first time ever, I'm joined by Bowers Westminster correspondent Georgie is with me as we're sitting down in between Sean Bailey from the Conservative Party and also Sadiq Khan from Labour because tonight is a mayoral special. We're talking about all things that affect young people and getting in your questions. So tonight is a big show. Thanks for locking in. It's good to be here. Let's get straight into it. In the capital, the mayor has a budget of around 18 billion pounds and in this election Londoners will also be voting for the 25 members of the London Assembly together they make up the Greater London Authority at City Hall. Whoever's elected on the 6th of May will have a huge role in Transport for London the Metropolitan Police and the Fire Service. They also make policies on the environment and housing and have more than 6 million registered voters in the city. That's the biggest mandate for any politician in the UK. The mayor won't be able to change the law that can only happen in Parliament, but they do control the price of your bus or tube journey, the congestion charge, how we're policed and how easy it might be to get on the property ladder. The mayor is also a figurehead for London and represents the city nationally and internationally, the last mayor, of course, being none other than Prime Minister Boris Johnson. This election was meant to take place a year ago. Because of the coronavirus pandemic, democracy was postponed. Well, this year I've been out on the campaign trail with the candidates and things have been very different. No crowds of cheering supporters and everything has been done from a safe distance, mostly outside. Voting will be different too, with social distancing at polling stations to keep everyone safe. Last time around in 2016, less than 50% of people voted in the local election in London and polling warns it could be even less this time, especially for young people. So here on KISS, we're joined by the two main candidates in this year's London mayoral race, Sadiq Khan for Labour and Sean Bailey from the Conservatives. We'll also be hearing from the Lib Dem and Green Party candidates and you can see a full list of everyone in the running to be Mayor of London on our website. We'll be flipping things around and hearing questions from you, our KISS FM listeners. Issues that don't just matter to London, but all over the UK too. This has been a massive year for the capital. We saw Black Lives Matter take to the streets. Oxford Street went quiet. Our pubs, restaurants, theatres and museums, usually with visitors from across the country and the world, were empty. Most recently, we also shared in the grief of the murder of Sarah Everard, a woman just trying to walk home. Tonight, we'll be grilling the candidates on jobs, the environment, transport, crime, housing, race and women's safety. All huge parts of our future coming out of the pandemic. Kiss Live. Supported by the Audio Content Fund. Well, thank you so much both for coming in. We've got loads of questions from our Kiss listeners. So let's get into it. We're starting with employment. Last week, the latest figures showed us that across the country, under 35s make up nearly 80% of the total jobs lost in the last year and young people claiming unemployment benefits more than doubled. We're also more likely to have been furloughed, especially for those working in retail and hospitality. A report this month found that young people and black graduates are most likely to be unemployed right now. In London, the outlook was even worse for under 25s. Our first question is from Sophia from Barnet. Like many other Londoners, I graduated from university during COVID. What are your plans to improve job prospects during such an uncertain time? We are just going to end up with this cohort of graduates having absolutely no opportunities. And to be honest, I don't know how they're going to survive without extra opportunities, advice, support, etc. Something needs to be done. Sadiq Khan, we'll start with you. You've said your campaign is about jobs, jobs, jobs. Well, look, this is personal to me for selfish reasons. One of my daughters is entering the last year of university and another one's just finished uh, university. So I understand 
the concerns that uh, you have. I lived through the 1980s when my generation was written off uh, leading to mass unemployment. And so I'm really determined to make sure the focus in my second term is jobs, jobs, jobs. And what I mean by that is protecting the jobs we have, supporting the creation of new jobs, but helping those who've lost their jobs get back into work as soon as possible. So I'm going to set up uh, a jobs academy in the green sector, in creative industries, in digital and health and social care. Why? Because these sectors are future-proof sectors. And the good news is I've set aside already £32 million in the Good Work Fund to support these sectors. But I've been speaking to employees across our city and across the world. They love London because of our ability to attract global talent. The key thing we've got to do, though, is to make sure the jobs that are in London are created for Londoners. Uh, And as a consequence of my Good Works Fund, we're going to make sure that young Londoners have the skills for the jobs being created in our city. At the same time, we're going to make sure that we invest in affordable homes so you can afford to live in London. At the same time, we're going to make sure public transport is affordable so you can travel around our city and it's a good place to commute in, but also to make sure the quality of our air in our city is conducive to a healthy lifestyle. What we've got to avoid at all costs is the 2020s being like the 1980s where you had mass unemployment and so a generation written off. My mantra of jobs, jobs, jobs is making sure your generation has a brighter future than they otherwise would. And with me as the mayor, I can promise you, because it's personal to me, I'll make sure it happens. We have to move over to Sean Bailey now. How would you help young people here? I think there's two things to say. Firstly, we mustn't um, repeat the mistakes of the past. So the mayor's talked about expanding the ultra-low emission zone and his own figures say that will wipe out a number of businesses there and in excess of 20,000 jobs. So it's very important that we protect the jobs we have by making the right economic steps now. The other part to say as well, I have a plan to generate 924,000 jobs over a five-year period using all of the assets we have in London. So for instance, what we're going to do around house building, house building generates a huge amount of employment. Starting a London infrastructure bank, because infrastructure in and of itself generates employment as well, it's a great way to spend the monies that you have. And it also means we can secure the future of TfL because 22 of 26 um, major projects have been paused or cancelled. And we need to get as many of those back so we can get the employment that they generate. The other pieces as well, of course, is to focus on two specific things. What do we do about unemployment for communities that are struggling to, to, to get even the basic start-up? And a lot, oftentimes that's young people. So I have a deputy mayor for the hospitality because hospitality in London is massive on every level, especially when you talk about its economic impact and the jobs it can generate. So I have a, a, mayor who's fo- a deputy mayor who's focused solely on making that happen and bringing those jobs in. It's very key. And the second piece is to give young people better and new advice. We as a country actually have made poor careers advice a sport. What we need to do is do better in London because obviously the situation is unique. It, we haven't really been in this situation before in the past and we need to do something about that. But the key thing here is to make sure we give London a fresh start with a fresh approach. It isn't enough just to spend money. We spent money, I think, as a good growth fund, £17 million. It only generated 109 jobs at an input is not the same as an outcome and we need to understand that or we'll just continue the failures we've had in the past. 
You locked into Kiss Life, the brand new show right here on Kiss every Sunday from 9 pm. I'm Swazi, I'm joined by Georgie as well, Bowers Westminster correspondent, and in the studio with us this evening for the first time ever, you've got Sadiq Khan from the Labour Party and also Sean Bailey from the Conservatives as we're taking on your questions to talk all things that affect young people. We'll move over to environment now. So, despite the pandemic reducing levels, with less people travelling in the UK, air pollution is still a massive problem. It's estimated that around 40,000 people a year die in this country because of it. Just last week, a coroner warned that we had to sort out our toxic air after a nine-year-old Ella Kissy Deborah died back in 2013 because of air pollution. It's the first time that that's been the cause of death on a death certificate in the UK. She was from Lewisham in southeast London. We'll now go to Noor in Hounslow, who has a question for you both. I've had asthma since birth, so I know what factors trigger it. I can tell it gets much worse when I've been exposed to air pollution. My breathing begins to get heavier and I start to cough, which sets off my wheezing. My chest also begins to feel tighter. It would be great to know what your plans are in terms of tackling the city's air if you're elected. Sean Bailey, I'm going to start with you. You want to scrap the expansion of the ultra-low emission zone. So how will you clean up the air? And can you clean up the controversy around your campaign bus breaching toxic air rules? Yes, the, the bus. So I hire one bus, um, which, by the way, we offset the carbon and we have made sure it had biodiesel in it. But it just signifies one of the biggest failures we have in London. The mayor has wasted five years. He should have been replacing the buses we have on the roads now. My plan is to replace all those buses. Why? Because that's the equivalent of taking 1.1 million cars from the road uh, from an emissions point of view. I'm going to give a, a bigger loan to the black cab industry to speed up their adoption of the new black cab because that's the equivalent of taking another million cars off the road. But the real thing is here as well is what we do with the Thames. The Thames could be a green highway in London. One Thames barge removes 50 lorries from the road and obviously that has other positive knock-on effects. It means that cycling and walking is more pleasant and more safe. It means the traffic is lowered as well because what we don't want to do is continue the failings we have around for instance the low traffic neighbourhoods. They've been dumped on communities. Communities said that they would cause more traffic. They were called more idling. They weren't listened to and now many many communities are wanting to take them out. I mean the mayor was taken to court on that. He lost and then he he's now going to appeal and I've been speaking to people all over London they're saying look we have to have these removed because they're making air quality worse and the other thing as well if we're going to have a strong green agenda in London we mustn't associate the green agenda with an extra tax all the time there's things that we can do in London to clean up the air buses cabs retrofit I'm going to have a boiler retrofit project on project because boilers will be the next big thing once we sort out transport but they're not associated with new bills all the time and you've got to bring people with you. It's not right to make a massive zone and then charge the poorest people to allow the richest people to drive around. Could it's you not end do of all of that and, and do the ULEZ as well? Would that not help? No, because the ULEZ will charge those poor people to for richer people to drive. In the centre of London, the ULEZ makes perfect sense because there's very dense traffic and the roads are small and everything's close together. But out into London, it becomes less, it becomes less tenable. And the thing is, once you've paid to drive into the U-Zone, what will you do? You'll drive all over that zone to get your money's worth. What you need to do is give people better, cheaper public transport and more solutions for the first and last mile. We have to move on to Sadiq Khan. Now tell us what your plans are. Well, first, it's interesting. Sean Bay, the Tory candidate, hires a dodgy, polluting bus and he blames me. Don't be surprised if he blames me for the bad weather as well. Let me answer the question uh, that's being asked, a really important question. Uh, poor quality air. The consequence of poor quality air is children with permanently stunted lungs and adults uh, like you with uh, all sorts of health issues from asthma 
to cancer, to disease. I myself uh, got uh, asthma in 2014, training to run the London Marathon because of the poor quality air in our city. So as a consequence of my policy, we've made huge progress in the centre of London. The toxic air is reduced by almost a half because of the world's first ultralight emission zone and across London by more than a third. But also the good news is King's College have looked at the work I'm doing and said with my policies, we can make our air lawful within six years with the policies of uh, Sean Bailey's uh, boss, Boris Johnson, who would have taken 193 years. We've managed to, in the last few years, reduce the number of schools in areas where the air is unlawful by more than 97% and homes by more than 94%. But that's not enough. We've got to make more progress. So let me see what I want to do going forward. We are going to extend the ultra-low emission zone to the North Circular and the South Circular. Why? Because they deserve clean air as well. This is an issue of social justice. It's the poorest Londoners, least likely to own cars, who suffer the worst air. We're going to do more, though. We've got to make it easier and safer for people to walk and cycle. So I'm really proud. We've increased fivefold the amount of segregated cycle lane and had, have wider pavements as well. But I'm also the mayor to encourage you to use public transport. I froze TfL fares for five years, saving the average household £200 and made sure that children under 18 can travel free, even though the government wanted me to take that away. Is it fair to charge Londoners so much to drive, though? For polluting Londoners, absolutely the polluter pays. If you drive a car that's causing me to become ill, other Londoners become ill, you should pay for it. That's how we incentivise you to either walk, cycle, use public transport, or use a cleaner car. Well, we also asked the Liberal Democrat candidate for Mayor of London, Louisa Porritt, what her plans are. Well, I have huge sympathy with Nor. I'm an asthmatic because of the pollution in London myself. And we know that if we don't tackle this urgently, then our toxic air in London is only going to get worse. So it would be one of my top priorities as mayor to address that. First of all, I would scrap Sadiq Khan's £2 billion polluting new road tunnel, the Silvertown Tunnel. This is a new road that will add more cars to our road and only increase pollution. So I would get rid of that project and invest the savings in clean, green public transport projects instead, because that's what we desperately need. And there are a number of projects on hold at the moment because of TfL's budget constraints. So we shouldn't be wasting money on new roads. I would also uh, go further than the current mayor. I would introduce a fairer pay-as-you-go road pricing scheme that applies across the whole of London um, that would not only be fairer than the current um, complex web of schemes we have, which are flat rate schemes affecting Londoners in certain areas, but also it will encourage Londoners to make greener choices because it means we can charge based on things like the length of journey people are making, the, the distant, um, the number of journeys that they make and how much emissions um, vehicles are producing as well. Kiss Live. Supported by the Audio Content Fund. You locked into Kiss Life. I'm Swazi. I'm joined by Georgie as well, Bowers Westminster correspondent. And in the studio with us this evening, you've got Sadiq Khan from the Labour Party and also Sean Bailey from the Conservatives, as we're taking on your questions to talk all things that affect young people. Without a doubt, one of the biggest issues in our cities is crime, and increasingly, that involves young people. In the first three months of 2021, nine teenagers were stabbed to death in London. 
Of the 31 victims in that time, 16 were under 25 years old. As mayor, one of these candidates will take charge in how the streets of London are policed. We spoke to a mum from Kingston, Becky Beston, who has a question for you both. And just a warning, this is an emotional account. Last year, my beautiful son, Archie Beston, was stabbed and murdered by a habitual knife user. Archie was innocently walking home on the path safely sober back to his car after a night out in Kingston. He will always be forever 19 now. I won't be able to watch my son grow up to be the beautiful young man he was becoming. What are your plans as mayor candidates to stop this pain torture from happening to other mothers like myself? I, as Archie's mum, demand an answer from you on how we will achieve the safety of our children growing up in one of the greatest cities in the world. Sadiq Khan, we'll start with you. You've been mayor for five years. That death happened while you were mayor. How are you going to stop about this happening? Well, well, that, that's heartbreaking to hear that both as a member of parliament for 11 years and as the mayor for the last five, I regularly meet bereaved families and those who uh, are the victims of uh, violent crime. And uh, clearly my thoughts and prayers with Archie's family and uh, I've written to Archie's family as I do to those uh, families who've suffered the loss of a loved one. There is no glib response to this really important issue. Uh, without excusing criminality, the causes of the increase in violent crime are complex from alienation, poverty, deprivation, lack of opportunities. So what I've done in the last five years in, in the face of massive cuts to the police, youth services and public services is invest in two key things. What is in our police? Uh, from City Hall, we've now invested more than a thousand additional police officers in London than would otherwise be the case. We've lost 21,000 over the last uh, 11 years across the country, but also invested in young people, giving them constructive things to do with England's first violence reduction unit using a public health approach. So we've funded from City Hall more than 110,000 young Londoners to have constructive things to do around culture, around sport, around education. Because we've got to be both tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime. At the same time, we've made sure that we have now a violent crime task force tackling those habitual knife carriers. Using yes, stop and search properly because we now have police officers wearing body-worn videos because of my investment. So when a stop and search takes place, the interaction is recorded, and as a consequence, the public can have confidence and can the, and, and can the police. And the good news is that's led to knives, offensive weapons, and other things being taken off our streets and dangerous people being arrested. Now, it's no comfort to Archie's mum, but after crime rising since 2013 across the country, including London, we're now seeing crime going down since I've become mayor. So we've seen violence going down, Knife crime injuries below the age 25 going down, gun crime going down, burglaries going down. And if I'm re-elected, I can invest in both in the police and in young people. Moving to Sean Bailey now. We know you were a youth worker. With the Conservatives slashing money for youth services, how can you help? I think one of the biggest failings that the city car made is when he said that knife crime would take 10 years to solve. He then went on to cut £38 million from the police staffing budget, guaranteeing we'd have a low number of offices in London. He then was um, flip-flopping on stop and search. I want to be very clear about the actions I will take to defend young people in London. Firstly, we're going to have to use stop and search, and I'll buy the police the technology to do scan and search as well, so we can increase the number without increasing any hassle factor at all. 
if 20 years of youth work teaches you anything, it's that moment where a person decides to carry a knife or not is very important. It saves lives. So on top of that, I'll be reopening the 38 police stations closed by Sadiq Khan because that relationship with the police and the public is important, particularly for young people because it hasn't always been a good relationship and it needs to be repaired because we all call the police if something goes wrong. That's very important. The other thing as well is to go the other way. Be, doing youth work was really important to me and I could see the impact. So what I'm going to do is spend £450 million in a three-year period on youth work across London. Again, a missed opportunity to me. I should have done this earlier. So I'm going to have 4,000 youth workers across London to back up the, 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 the work of communities that already exist. I'm also going to do 30 two youth zones, one in every borough at least, to make sure we can house some of these youth workers and we can support existing youth projects. But the key thing is this, I'm going to start a second chance fund. So a fund that supports people who've come out of jail so that they can get that extra support to get back on their feet, to get into work, to, to put their lives on the right track. When I used to run my job club, there is, I've realised there's no silver bullet for crime, but working is a really, really big one. It's a big step in the right direction. So we're going to help young people get in, that, get in that way as well. But the key thing is to remember this. If we're going to have a fresh start, we're going to need to take a new approach to crime. And that means we're going to all have to be part of the solution of forcing it down. And, and drugs in London, all those things are driving crime. We must have a mayor who stands up to them and says, I will not, I will not pander these things. I'll take, I'll take a leadership role. And I think at, at this point, that hasn't happened yet. One of the other main roles for the Mayor of London is dealing with transport. The Mayor oversees transport for London, so that's your buses, tubes, overground, DLR, taxis and yes, even the cable car. The Mayor also has powers over the roads, so the congestion charge, ultra-low emission zone and cycle lanes on main roads. We've spoken to Alex from Enfield who has a question for you both. I've put my chosen career on hold during lockdown and taken up a job as a delivery driver, getting food to the people that need it most. The other day, a journey that should have taken me two minutes ended up taking over ten minutes, and this adds up throughout the day. It seems like the low-traffic, quiet neighbourhood areas lack any design consideration for delivery services, making it far more difficult to provide the service expected of us. Why is this making my job far more difficult than it needs to be, and can you fix it? Sean Bailey, I'll go to you first. You've pledged in your manifesto to get rid of these low-traffic neighbourhoods, but would that even be in your power as mayor? Well, there's two things you could do. Firstly, you can stop any new low traffic neighbourhoods coming by refusing to fund the ones that haven't been done properly and that communities don't want. With the current new low traffic neighbourhoods, there should be consultation. Now, I spoke to the deputy mayor who works with Zeke Khan and she said her plan was to keep them all. And I think we should say to communities, actually, let's hear your choice. I've been to Ely, I've been to Dulwich, I've been all over the place. And people say, these things are a nightmare. And if anybody had asked us, we would have said no, because we realised it has caused more traffic. And then on top of that, you have things like one lane closed on some of the bridges, Hammersmith Bridge closed altogether. And all these things are conspiring to cause huge traffic in London. So I'll, I'll, I'll remove all those things that are stopping traffic moving London. But there's other positive things we can do as well. We should be using the Thames to bring in many more of our heavy goods. We should be looking at um, consolidated delivery hubs. I think the, the mayor's been too slow to make those happen. That make a huge difference to traffic, air pollution and noise pollution in London as well. We need to do that. And the key thing is here, though, I, I take you all the way back to the beginning, got to listen to communities. Now, you hear the mayor say it was the government's fault, the government gave the money, but TfL have a stake in that and the mayor is chairman of TfL. He could have did something different. Isn't and, this to do with councils, though, particularly? But it's also to do with the mayor. Of course, there's definitely a role for councils, but the mayor should be speaking to councils and saying, look, does your community want this? How's the consultation going? 
is it actually working? Because some councils in their defence have taken them out. But when the mayor lost in court, he said he will appeal. So it's a very different approach. And remember, it's not just it, it's not just drivers and professional people is making it hard. I, I went to I've been visited a church recently, and they now call it a worship tax because their parishioners drive from all over the place. They can't do that now because of the traffic, because of ultra low emission zone. They're terrified it will cut their communities in half. Some communities it separates them from their local hospital or their schools, and all these issues need to be looked at because there was no plan. These things were just dumped into London and there was, there was no cohesive plan to make London work better and now we're seeing it in traffic and very poor air quality. Steve, over to you. You've claimed in the past this is not really something for the mayor, but is that correct? Just clear well, it up for us. Imagine applying for a job and not knowing what the job is and that's what the Tory candidate Sean Bailey has just uh, shown with his promise to rip out the low traffic neighbourhoods. And also, can I just say to the the delivery driver, I don't advise you as the Tory candidate does to use the Thames to deliver your meals. It's not a good thing to do. What I'm keen to do, though, is to avoid uh, replacing one health crisis, a COVID crisis, with another crisis, a poor air quality crisis. So I don't apologise for trying to encourage more Londoners to walk, to cycle, to use public transport and to free up the roads for those that need to do them, like those who are like you, commercial drivers, or the blue light services, or the plumbers, the electricians, the buses, and uh, so forth. And so what we've done is uh, support the government's policies. Uh, the government has a policy to give councils money to bring in low-traffic neighbourhoods. I do actually support also safer streets. I also support 20 miles per hour. I also support the policy of discouraging people from using a car for short journeys. You know, a third of journeys in London are people driving less than two miles, and there are 250,000 school journeys with mums and dads and carers dropping off their children. And that's why I was the mayor that stood up to the government when the government said, take away free travel for children. I said, no, because that free travel encourages children to use public transport and and means their parents don't drop them off, freeing up our roads for those that need it. So if I'm re-elected mayor, I will extend the ultra-low emission zone to improve the quality of air in other parts of London, but make sure our main roads are freed up for those that you need to use them. But what and about to, these low-traffic neighbourhoods particularly affecting so many Londoners? Aren't people yeah. looking to you to help with yeah. this? Yeah, and we've been working with councils, and councils have been tweaking, amending and changing their low-traffic neighbourhoods. So, for example, Ealing are currently talking about changing some of theirs because they're tweaking and listening to their residents. What the councils have promised us is no temporary low-traffic neighbourhood will be made permanent without consulting their local residents. That's a good example of councils listening, and that's what we want. You're listening to Kiss Life with me, Swazi, and in the studio, I'm joined by Bowers Westminster correspondent Georgie is with me as we're sitting down in between Sean Bailey from the Conservative Party and also Sadiq Khan from Labour, because tonight is a mayoral special. We're talking about all things that affect young people and getting in your questions. So tonight is a big show. Thanks for locking in. Kiss Life. Supported by the Audio Content Fund. In March, we were all horrified to learn of the disappearance of 33-year-old Sarah Everard on her way home from her friend's house in Clapham. A week later, we found out that Sarah had been murdered. An outpouring of emotion from women all over the country took place telling their own stories of feeling unsafe. Alexandra, also from Clapham, has a question for you both. I live really close to where Sarah Everard went missing and like every other woman I know, I change my behaviour to make sure I'm safe and I've still experienced harassment in this city. What are you going to do to put responsibility on men to improve things for women who are just trying to walk home? Sadiq, let's start with you. You've admitted women don't feel safe here. Yeah, I live not too far from uh, where um, Alexandra lives and where Sarah was uh, unfortunately abducted. 
and uh, which led to her losing her, her life. I've been quite clear. I think I think men have to accept that there is a culture of uh, misogyny, and sometimes it's perpetuated by some of the things that uh, can be said by uh, men. It's really important that we address the issue of uh, the behaviour of boys in school, which leads to men having attitudes towards uh, uh, women. So, for example, why is it that girls in school are choosing to wear different uniform, the length of their skirt, the shoes they wear, they stop doing sports because of the behaviour of boys? We've got to address that, including making sure there's good quality relationship education in schools. And adults, we've got to be cognizant about some of the real-life concerns women have, from, you know, wearing trainers rather than heels, from choosing to walk along those streets that are better lit than others, from having a self-imposed curfew because they don't feel safe going at night time. So a number of things we've done over the last five years. So we've invested record sums in supporting those women fleeing domestic abuse, domestic violence, but also you're spot on. We've got to tackle the behaviour of men. And so we're targeting the behaviour of those perpetrators who are convicted of an offence. And the third really important we, we're doing is not simply designing that crime by making sure the public realm is safe, but also have we have a women's safety charter, so good live music venues, pubs and others have a policy to do with those men that are harassing. But we've got to go further. So I'm the mayor that's lobbied the government to make misogyny a hate crime. I'm the mayor that's lobbied the government to make sexual harassment a criminal offence. I'm the mayor that's lobbied the government to make sure we have a domestic abuse register. And we have made some progress with this uh, government, but not enough. I welcome the fact they... Uh, they they supported uh, me and Gina Martin in her campaign to make upskirting a criminal offence. I'm pleased that they finally made uh, revenge porn a criminal offence. But they've got to do much, much more. And I'll carry on lobbying them to do much, much more so all women and girls can feel safe. Over to Sean now. How would you change things if you were elected? I think I'll, I'll answer this in two parts. Firstly, I've always focused on what the mayor can do in London. So what I'll be doing is in a thousand extra officers into the into the safeguarding unit, which looks after the, the crimes around um, women and girls on the streets of London, it is a massive failure for the mayor to come out and say the streets of London are not safe for women and girls, and that is his responsibility. So I think that kind of that kind of approach is important. There's a policing issue there. Also, if you look at where a lot of sexual attacks have been, particular lines like the central line, for instance, 43% increase in sexual attacks, let's have the, the CCTV cameras on there so that we can find and catch these men, so we can take these men out of circulation. It's removing criminals from the streets that will make the streets safer for women. Talking about extra patrols in the parts of London where women and girls feel most vulnerable. I think it's important to send a message that we are trying to pursue people and catch them. One of the real failings in this in this arena of crime is to get convictions and we need to make sure that we're giving the police the resources to get proper convictions to remove these people. But if you go all the other way back to the relationship part of it, I remember when I used to run my youth group and we used to have our girls group, they were very focused on what we should, messages we should be giving to the boys. You should be saying this, you should be saying that. And I think what we need to do is take that and put it across London. So when I talk about 4,000 youth workers, this is our opportunity to have that conversation within communities all the time. When I talk about my parent hub, it's my opportunity to send the right information to parents so they can have the conversations as well. I currently am a governor of a school and I know know that schools for relationship training are having this conversation but what I'll do as mayor is 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 help them do it more regularly more, more concisely better and these are all things to come as well but if you were re-elected now what would be your message to young women listening to this now my message would be this two, twofold we will make the streets of London safe with a better police presence a better culture amongst the police looking after the safety of women and we'll also have a much bigger more detailed conversation with young men in particular about what we do with their attitudes towards women what's acceptable what's not and also letting the experience of women be more widely known
Thank you. And Sadiq as well, what would you say to young women listening now? Well, firstly, I'd say that, that, like you, I find some of the things that Sean Bailey said about women and girls offensive. It perpetuates a culture of uh, misogyny. We've got to respect you. And that means listening to you. And that's why it's really important that I build on the work done by uh, London's first Victims Commissioner, Claire Waxman, but also the work we're doing to make sure all our public spaces can be uh, safe. It starts in schools, but it continues in the workplace and on public transport and the public realm as well. Here's the view from Louisa Porritt from the Lib Dems. Well, Alex has hit the nail on the head. What we need is a culture change to address the root cause of what happened to Sarah Everard in the first place. We know that that was misogyny and too many women and girls are subjected to violence as a result of that. There isn't an easy fix to it, I'm afraid. Um, We need to be educating boys from a young age to treat girls who, who will ultimately become women with respect and let them know that we are equals. But I do think that there are things that the mayor can do as well. So one of the things that I would do is set up a women's board uh, made up of survivors and groups like Reclaim These Streets, which obviously wanted to organise the official uh, vigil for Sarah Everard, which I think it's unfortunate that wasn't allowed to go ahead as planned, and make sure that those women are able to hold the mayor to account for their strategy to end violence against women and girls, because We know from what happened to Sarah that we just haven't seen the progress that we need to. So those women would be able to input into the strategy um, and uh, make recommendations for for new things that we need to be doing, but also monitor the existing strategy and make sure that, that it is delivering the progress that we need. We also asked this question to Sean Berry from the Green Party. One thing that was so emblematic about the bad attitudes that society has to women, um, the misogyny that there is, was the reaction to that the disappearance of Sarah and then her murder was to tell women to take more care. And that's just the wrong way to look at it. We have to make the streets safe for everybody. And if women don't feel safe on the streets, then, then nobody's really safe either. So I think we need to be getting on with that preventive plan for crime, making sure that people have places to go to get help when they're feeling like they might get into trouble um, and making sure that perpetrators are caught at a much earlier stage than when they might actually commit murder. I think it's really important that, for example, misogyny is recognised as a hate crime so that people who are committing crimes like harassment or violence but are doing it with misogynistic motives and might in future go on to do much worse crimes are identified and are offered help, real rehabilitation through the criminal justice system so that we don't have these things happening. We need to change a lot of attitudes of men in daily life as well. As a woman in London, I experience bad attitudes, um, harassment, comments that are just unacceptable on a daily basis. And there's too much within society that accepts that this is part of daily life for women. We do need to be changing the social environment as well and making sure that women are, are genuinely feel valued and, and not only not harassed, but, but genuinely supported to, to live their lives in, in whichever way they are. We need the same freedoms as men in this city. There's a massive list of 20 candidates for this year's mayoral race and here's a list of all the names. Sean Bailey from the Conservative Party. Kam Belayev from the Renew Party. Sean Berry from the Green Party. 
Count Binface from Count Binface for Mayor of London. Valerie Brown from Burning Pink. Piers Corbyn from Let London Live. Max Fosh, Independent. Lawrence Fox, Reclaim Party. Peter Gammons from UKIP. Richard Hewison from Rejoin EU. Vanessa Hudson, Animal Welfare Party. Sadiq Khan from Labour. Steve Kellier, Social Democratic Party. David Curtin from Heritage Party. Farrah London, Independent. Nimza Bunge, Independent. Nico Omilana, Independent. Louisa Porritt, Liberal Democrats. Mandy Reid, Women's Equality Party. And Brian Rose from London Real Party. Now we'll be focusing on housing. As we all know, property prices and rent in the capital can cost a fortune. The average house price in March last year, being more than £465,000, is hard to know how young people will ever be able to get onto the property ladder. Becky from Tower Hamlets has this question for you both. I've been renting for about six years now. Not only are deposits to buy really high, but you need to be earning a massive amount to get a mortgage. How can people of my age in London ever expect to be able to buy our own homes without help from our parents? Sadiq, we'll start with you. I've lived in London my whole life and I can't afford to move out in the area that I live in. Yeah, well, successive governments have let down uh, our city and so as somebody who you know, grew up in a council to say, I know how important this is to have affordable housing in our city. So what I've done in the first five years is started to clean up some of the mess that I inherited. When I became mayor, I was shocked to discover that in the year before, only three homes had been started to be built that were social rent, zero homes that were council uh, properties. And the mayor's definition of an affordable home was one costing half a billion pounds to buy or 80% market value to rent. So I've ditched that as well. So I call an affordable home one that's a council home, one where you pay a London living rent, a third of average earnings. And the reason why that's important is because it allows your caller to have a sub-market rent and so she can put money aside for a deposit for a home. And the third type of, of an affordable home is shared ownership part by part rent. And the good news is we're starting to lay the foundations to finally fix the housing crisis. Last year, we began building more council homes than in any year since 1983. Last year... We began building more homes where you pay a social rent, more than 7,000 in any year since the mayor had powers. Remember, in the year before I became mayor, only three. But also over the last three years, three years ago, we began building more than 12,500 genuinely affordable homes, a record. The next year, 14,500 genuinely affordable homes, another record. And last year, more than 17,000. But it will take some time to meet the demand for the supply to meet the demand. And so in the meantime, I'm saying if you vote for me, I will lobby the government for me to have powers to set rent controls. Why is that important? Because 2.4 million Londoners currently have a private landlord where the rent goes up every year and there's no security of tenure. If we can reduce the cost of living in London, it enables your caller and others to save for a deposit to buy their own home because many Londoners aspire to be homeowners. But at the moment, they can't even afford to rent in London, let alone buy Vote for me and I'll carry on the progress fixing the housing crisis. And just quickly, what would you do about cladding as well? Well, we've got to make sure the government writes the cheque to remove all the cladding, not just those above 18 metres, ACM, but all the cladding in London, below 18 metres, non-ACM cladding. Let's not have arguments between leaseholders and building owners and managers. Let the government write the cheque, remove the cladding, and later on there can be an argument. You know, it's almost three years now since the Grenfell Tower fire. 72 Londoners lost their lives that didn't need to lose so, didn't need to do so. Men, women and children. It's a scandal. This government's had three years to sort this out and hasn't sorted it out. I've been lobbying them. We've had some progress. 
with some money not enough. We know the fire safety bill obviously went through this week as well. Um, Sean Bailey, tell us what would your plan be for housing in answer to Becky's question and then also tell us what would your plan be for cladding? Becky, um, thank you for the question. Of course, Becky, you talked about home ownership in London. Let, let me give you the, the facts as they stand. The mayor's failing on this has been monumental. When he ran for um, mayor last time, he promised us 80,000 homes per year. He hasn't built 40,000 homes in four years. That's where your high rent comes from. Also, you speak to any city in the world and they'll tell you rent controls don't work, particularly for young people. Because what they do, they lock in one generation and then young people below that simply can't get anywhere to rent or buy affordably. When you speak to New Yorkers, they'll tell you stories about scanning the obituaries to see if a place has, if a place has come up for rent. So I don't think that's the way to go. What I will say is this, I'll build a hundred, I'd finance a hundred thousand homes for a hundred thousand pounds part ownership. I know what it's like to be homeless in London. I was homeless for a very long time, all through my twenties. And when I eventually got somewhere, it's because I was able to do part by part, part own. That's very important. And what it means is we can get you into a home that you own two important things. You'll own a proportion of that home and also you prob- you'd be paying less to own that than you would be to rent the equivalent place so it lowers your rent. It increases the supply. That also lowers everybody's rent as well. It's very important that we understand who needs the homes and when we can get them. And of course, there's an additional £1.3 billion we can spend on people who need homes for social rent as well because I grew up in a council house. I know that's important. But the key, the key thing here is to make sure that we provide homes across the piece because many people have a, a really serious housing need but wouldn't be eligible for for, for council housing as, as people would call it and people who have council housing needs need to be helped as well and particularly around temporary accommodation i think there's more we could do about the quality and the supply of temporary accommodation as well but the key thing in in london is to think this if you were to elect me, you'd then be looking at a place, London, where you could actually own a home. You wouldn't be looking at a figure, 80,000 homes that never materialised. That's the difference. How do we actually provide homes in London? We use the monies we have. I mean, look, the mayor has half a billion pounds that he's sat on top of that he's not even used yet. If I, if I had control of that money, it'd be out the door producing homes for you. If there's one area we need a fresh start, this is absolutely it. And just on the mention of Grenfell as well, what have you learnt from the Grenfell uh, tragedy that you would then use to lead the way from London across the UK when it comes to housing? There's two things I'd say. Firstly, the government do need to give more money. Let's be clear. They, they could give more significantly more money. There's a number of things they could do to make sure the money arrives speedily. Starting with saying they'll be the insurer of, of last port of call. They could do that. But the key thing is, I come from that Labyrinth Grove community. I was born and raised there. And the level of mistrust and pain may never be solved. And if it is, it will take years. I think people need to be much more open about what they're going to do for the community and do it quickly. It, the waiting is causing more and more and more pain. And when I go back and I see my mum and I speak to people from the local church, they just tell me horror stories about how people are still feeling the mental health effects and all the rest. I think people need more support. We really have to move on now. I was out reporting last summer in London when we saw Black Lives Matter reach Whitehall and Parliament with thousands of protesters demanding change after the murder of George Floyd. Here on Kiss Life, we've already covered the relationship between young black people and institutional racism. We've heard from David, who's from Hillingdon. He tells us he's not had a great experience with the police and he thinks it's because of the colour of his skin. I've been stopped by the police about 15 times in the last two years. I feel it's because of my race. So I just want to know what your plans are to sort out the relations between the minority groups and the police. Sean Bailey, I'll start with you. You've said you'll increase stop and search, but do you acknowledge the black community is targeted more here? 
you're, you're completely, let me put it this way. If there's one thing that has been the biggest failure in London, it's the fact that nobody, including the mayor, has addressed this stat. As a black Londoner, I am four times more likely to be murdered than my neighbour. We have to get on top of that. Just a little while ago, I was speaking to a boy from Croydon. We, we were talking about, should you carry a border? Should you carry a knife? We talk about should you carry a knife and the rest of that. And his friend walked into the conversation and said, of course you should. We live with murderers in our midst. So he's basically saying to me, because of the level of crime in his community, yeah, he needs to arm himself. We've got to get on top of that. I know the relationship with the police hasn't been brilliant. I've been a youth worker for 20 years. I spent all of that 20 years trying to bridge that gap. But what I do know... But is if you know that the relationship hold on, hold on. isn't good... Yeah, but what I do know that's terrorising the black community even more than that is... Death. How many people listen to this now know someone who's been robbed? Since since 2016, we've had an 86% rise in robbery. We've had a 60% rise in knife crime. Most of the deaths are in our community. We have but to just talking about that. stop and search, if you know that the relationship isn't good, how do you have plans for alternative methods? There's what two, else is there's in two place? Things, there's two things I'd say. Firstly, I'll open a office for community policing. Not just stop and search, it goes across the piece. It's to allow the community to scrutinise the police to come into that conversation. I did um, London Citizens the other day and they asked me, would I allow the community to come in and start to look at what measures we put back on the police if they've done a job wrong? And I said, yes, I would do that. And I'd say to anybody, what difference would it make as a black man scrutinising police who knows what it's like to be on the other side of that equation? You know, people talk to you about the government, people talk about this, but remember this, the mayor is the police and crime commissioner for London. It is a failing on the mayor's part that the women in streets, the women, the, the streets of London, are no longer safe for women and girls. It, and, and black people die at a rate four times that of their neighbours. That is wrong. Anybody who thinks that we, we, we should take a fresh stance on this knows that we need new leadership. We need to change this. This can't stand. Sadiq, moving on to you, how would you improve things? Because right now this relationship can't be where you want it to be, can it? Well, firstly, let, let me just say this for the audience of doubt. I think there is structural racism in this country and institutional racism in this country. And for the government to do a report that says they're risen, shows that they, have the, they have the head in the sands. It was a whitewash report. And I think what's important is for us to acknowledge there are challenges. I think it's possible to say, on the one hand, huge progress has been made. It has been made, but there are still big, big problems. And it's demonstrated by the way the government's hostile policies led to a hostile environment, which led to the Windrush generation being treated the way they were. It leads to the conclusions that we've seen across the criminal justice system. We've got a, a disproportionate number of black people in our prisons, a disproportionate number in our young offenders institutions, a disproportionate number in the court system, and a disproportionate number being stopped and searched as well. I'm the mayor who, because I was concerned about the issue of stop and search and accountability, uh, I rolled out the biggest number of body-worn videos of any police force in the world at the time. So every time there's an interaction now between a member of the public and the police, that interaction is recorded at the same time, uh, what I did last summer, in the aftermath of the brilliant campaign from the Black Lives uh, Matter movement and the awful, brutal murder of George uh, Floyd, I spent a lot of time going into the community uh, to listen to the concerns black Londoners have because it is a fact they lack the trust and confidence in their police that they should have. And does that and also show in David's story? If he's been stopped 15 times, yeah. are you agreeing that there's structural issues within the Met still today? Yeah, uh, and to give the Commissioner credit, she accepted that the Met Police Service isn't free from racism, discrimination or bias. And so what the action plan does, which has been accepted by the commissioner, written from the ideas from the communities, is address some of these issues. So looking at 
the use of force by the police, looking at the use of tasers by the police, looking at the use of handcuffs by the police, looking at the use of stop and search by the police, including giving the community more powers over how the police are trained, but also how the police are policed. It's really important that we understand this is an issue for all of us, because if one part of our community lacks trust and confidence in the police, it means they're less likely to come forward and be a witness, they're less likely to come forward if they're a victim, and they're less likely to join the police service. That's bad for all of us. Well, we also asked Sean Berry, the Green Party candidate, about this issue, and she had quite a different view. We genuinely need to rethink policing at this point from first principles. So much has gone wrong. There have been so many mistakes and the rise in stop and search under the current mayor has been one of them. We've we've learned this lesson in the past, but it's been forgotten and the police are still thinking that the right answer to violence and, and to the coronavirus pandemic is to go out and stop and talk to and search and put in contact with the police as many young, often black people as they possibly Possibly can. This is clearly alienating communities. It's not leading to a society where we're all working together to reduce crime. It's re- resulting in a society where one portion of our people are feeling increasingly discriminated against. This has to stop. I want to have a massive conversation between Londoners and the police and everybody in society about what policing is for to set new principles and new priorities for policing that are genuinely collaborative and genuinely respectful of everyone's human rights. The government are trying to brush this under the carpet with their race report, claiming there's no systemic racism. Well, I see systemic racism all the time in my work on the London Assembly and there does need to be a very fundamental conversation about what exactly policing is for and a resetting of those principles of of how we do policing by consent with communities. Kiss Life. Supported by the Audio Content Fund. To move on, there are a lot of conversations around decriminalising personal use of cannabis, particularly amongst young people. Sadiq Khan, what's your stance on this? I think we should get a commission set up, which I'd do if I was re-elected, look at the issue of uh, cannabis in particular. When I see uh, the numbers of young people being criminalised, the health consequences of uh, of, uh, cannabis, but also the impact it can have later on, in relation to uh, violent crime. I think it's really important to have a cool, calm look at this. Let's look at what's happened around the world where they've decriminalised cannabis, what lessons we can learn, what elephant traps to avoid. I think the idea of deciding now you've made up your mind and you're against it or you're for it is not a healthy one. What I'd want to do is make sure that the uh, London Drugs Commission does the piece of uh, work required it sets out the evidence and then I can use it as a basis of lobbying the government. Already, though, one of the things arising from the work we did last summer with the black communities, which led to a recommendation in the action plan, was if the smell of cannabis is the sole reason for a stop and search, uh, we've agreed that we will review that to make sure there isn't inadvertent prejudice taking place, but also to make sure that we don't inadvertently criminalise too soon young people who aren't committing serious offences. It's really important that we distinguish, though, cannabis from other types of drugs. I'm quite clear, other drugs are very, very different. Uh, Many of the violent crime we see in London is because of criminal gangs involved in drug dealing, serious Class A drug dealing. But I think we should be looking at the issue of uh, cannabis, and that's what I do, is set up a London Drugs Commission looking at this very important issue. So just on that point, though, if stop and search, um, we already know that there's institutional racism within the Met. Does increasing stop and search also worsen or impact the, the black community? 
well, unlike the Tory candidate, I'm not, I'm not somebody that thinks we should increase tenfold the amount of stop and search. What I think should be happening is stop and search is intelligence-led, uh, it's done in a sensible way, it's done courteously, and the body-worn video gives the police the reassurance that the interaction has been re- re- recorded, so there's not going to be you know frivolous or mischievous complaints. It gives the public confidence to know it's been recorded, so they know the interaction has been recorded as well. And what we've seen since I introduced the uh, body-worn videos is a reduction in the number of uh, police complaints. And so I think it bodes well. And the other good news is police officers like body-worn videos. They turn it on nearly all the time. Sean Bailey, I'm going to come to you next. Does it feel like we've moved on from the past where there was a zero tolerance to even talking about cannabis and now the conversation is opening up to include a range of views? So where do you feel London stands in this global conversation? First and foremost, I don't think the Sadiq Khan gets to tell me about stop and search. As a black man who's grown up in London, I have far more experience than he'll ever have of that, unfortunately. Look, when you talk about cannabis, you remember you're talking to someone who's a youth worker for over 20 years. And in that career, I also did drug work as well. And we need to be very, very careful because cannabis gives lots of young people psychosis. So if we're going to say to people, you're more likely, you're more able to smoke cannabis, we need to understand what the um, psychological impact of that will be. The second part as well, a great deal of, of crime, particularly community crime kept within our community is generated around weed, cannabis, you know what I mean? What, what people are smoking, how they're dealing. So you need to be very careful about that. People who are making this estimation from their nice, safe, comfortable middle, middle class background need to understand this generates violence in other people's communities. So we need to be very, very careful about that. My experience has shown me that if you give more and more people access to cannabis, you have more and more and more of the poor social outcomes that is responsible for. I spoke to an NHS nurse um, just recently and I had another one write to me because she wanted me to look at something she'd written in, in the paper. And she said, to be clear, cannabis is not harmless as people are suggesting. Cannabis is very, very dangerous to young people. And I, my experience would suggest that she's right. I, I think she's right. So I think we need to take a very cautious approach to if we allow two things, cannabis that causes psychosis and cannabis that causes huge amounts of of um, crime. We need to be very, very careful. And I think it's a, a, a frivolous um, approach to say, oh, we'll just have a look at it. Because of course, the mayor has absolutely no power to deliver this. And what he should be doing is focus on his day job. For instance, why is a black man, am I four times more likely to be murdered than my neighbour? That's what the mayor should be focusing on, not the fact that he can't make cannabis legal or not. And where does that stand within the global conversation? How would you help London be part of this? Look, the global conversation is very different. So if you go to Canada or, or places in Spain where they legalise different types of drugs, their social scene is very different to ours. London is a very young city, for instance. There's a lot of young people here. So if, if we if we imagine it affected 10% of young people, that would be a considerably larger number here. Because so many young people here. And like I say, the experience of not just myself, but the NHS and many other organisations are saying we have to be very careful to, before we start accepting open drug use because it will, it will lead to very poor social outcomes. And Sadiq Khan, for yourself as well, where would you help London stand in this global conversation? We've got to be part of it. I mean, this idea where you just cross your arms because London's different is ridiculous. We're a global city, the world's global city, and it's really important part of that conversation, evidence-based. Thank you both for joining us in the studio today. We're now going to ask you to tell us within one minute why you should be the next mayor of London, starting in alphabetical order by your surname. So, Sean Bailey, you are up. 
Let me just say this. We've had five years of failure under Sadiq Khan. And what we've heard today is a litany of excuses. Every time you hear the word government, prepare yourself to hear an excuse from Sadiq Khan. He is the police and crime commissioner for London. It's big questions for him to answer. Why are the streets not safe for women and girls? Why do black people get murdered at four times the rate of everybody else? Why has there been a 60% rise in knife crime? All of these questions go unanswered by the mayor. So I would say this. Let's give London a fresh start. I have a plan to make sure that we have places to live that the streets are safe and that we have a green pleasant environment in london if you like me agree london needs change if you like me agree london needs a leader it's time to support me vote for me so on the 6th of may i can lead london into its new era london needs a fresh start and i would like to help london get it sadiq khan in one minute why would you be the next mayor you've heard during this debate my ambitions for uh, london i want to deliver a fairer greener safer city with a brighter future all Londoners. A city where every young Londoner can have the chance to fulfil their potential, regardless of race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, disability or class. This is a two-horse race between me, who will stand up for our city and put young Londoners at the heart of our recovery, with a focus on the jobs, skills and mentoring you need. Or the Tory candidate who doesn't share the positive vision or London's values of openness, equality and respect for diversity. So, if you want every young Londoner to have the chance to get on, if you care about this great city and believe that our best days lie ahead, then please come out and vote for London by voting for me and Labour on Thursday. Thank you. Thank you so much for locking into the podcast. Kiss Life is available everywhere. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review, and we'll catch you next Sunday, 9pm. 